The World Cup is less than two months away, but you can already start to make plans for 2016 as the long-rumored Copa America tournament looks like it's closer to reality. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Zyvis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well, man. I'm uh, enjoying Phoenix. Everything's uh, everything's going well in my life. How, how are things going for you, Ivis? Uh, pretty good. I wish I had the power to like function on zero sleep because that would make things so much easier. So much going on as the World Cup countdown is on, and it's just around a corner, and it's just so much going on um, in the lead up to that. But it's 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 this is like this is what you live for when you're in our business, and uh, you know as much as it's crazy and. There's no rest for the weary. It's, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Really? I live for the free bumpy pitch t-shirts. That's the only reason why I do this thing. Well, you got a better hookup than me, my friend. I'm, I'm still waiting for my, uh, for my first one of those. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten any of them. I think I, wait, no, in Kansas City, I think I got one. I oh, yeah. I, I, think I, I did get, you know what? You're right. I do have, I stand corrected. I have that, that, uh, EA Sports, uh, bumpy pitch, which is like, for me, it, it, for some reason, it's like the most comfortable of all the bumpy pitch. I mean, they're all comfortable. That shirt, that shirt was very the, comfy in Kansas. The City. shirts are great, but that particular, uh, shirt, that particular bumpy pitch shirt has to be the softest of all. And I, ha- I mean, I probably have like 20 bumpy pitch shirts. That is I know easily you do, the softest. You, you wear them all the time. Every time I see you, you have like you put you have like a different one on like every every hour. Like you're constantly changing <laughs> your bumpy pitch features. Uh, I don't know about every hour. I have a, but I, I I I do bring them on the road. I definitely do. I know some of them are pretty cool though. I can't. You had this one in Kansas City that was that was pretty awesome. I, I can't remember which one it was. Anyways, I dig I digress, Ivis. Uh, on today's SBI show, we're gonna mix it up. Ivis and I usually lead off with Major League Soccer. We're going to put a hold on that and save it to the very end of the show. Ivis, we're going to lead off, as we said. We're going to talk Copa America. It looks like the you know, f- you know, know, infamous, I'm sorry, I don't want to say infamous, but but you know, the, the renowned you know, Copa America tournament looks like it's coming to America. It's crazy to think that it's been two years, kind of the conversation has been around, but it looks like on Thursday that it's finally going to happen. It's going to be played in North America. U.S. and Mexico are going to be in it. And uh, look, I'm excited. An opportunity for a lot of fans to see their favorite South American players up close and personal. Oh, it, it's great. I mean, it seems like it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I know already there's people who are a little a little, I don't want to say skeptical, but it sounds like some people are a little wary about getting too excited because they don't know who's going to come mm-hmm. for the tournament. They don't know, are the teams going to have their best players? I think it's safe to say that the fact that they've gone to this much trouble, uh, and it's obviously the 100th anniversary uh, Copa America, so it's a special event. And it also happens to be during a summer where there is no Gold Cup, and uh, it, it you figure it is going to be the official... Or it's going to be a a official competition, an official FIFA competition mm-hmm. for South American teams and for CONCACAF teams. So it's safe to say everybody will bring their best players. And if, if that happens, and hopefully it does, that is going to make for an amazing summer. Yeah, it's going to be good. I, it, it might, it's so funny. I know you're right because people are already saying, oh, well, is this guy going to come? I mean, dude, it's so long away. We, we don't even know what's going to happen until then. I mean, the other thing, too, is... It's going to be, I mean, and, look, and I'm looking towards the future right now a little bit too much, seeing as we have the World Cup here coming up in two months. But, hey, it's going to be a good opportunity, Ivis, for this next generation of U.S. players to get some quality games in against some quality opponents. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a young U.S. team because, remember, 2016 is also going to be the summer of the Olympics. And 
knock on wood, if the U.S. does qualify, you know, the U.S. is going to be sending their Olympic team uh, to that tournament. So that you figure that's going to have some of the top young players like a Julian Green. You you would figure DeAndre Yedlin, Luis Gill, and then some overage players as well. uh, You know, that you figure they're going to have two or three. And I, I, I think it's a safe bet that someone like Tim Howard will be up for that. I think he'll be up. For competing in an Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and actually being the starting goalkeeper on the team, I think that that's something he would absolutely be up for. So uh, that's going to be a bit of a balancing act there. But I don't think that uh, I don't think that you know the players are going to mind. And as long as FIFA does the right thing and 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 sets the schedule up, mm-hmm. we'll have Neymar, Messi, uh, Suarez, Falcao, Suarez, Hulk. you name it. <laughs> the list, the list could go on forever. Speaking of, Hulk, yeah, Tim you're gonna Howard. have, you, you know, you're gonna have all of them playing in an official competition, not a friendly, but there'll be a trophy on the line, and it's also the whole South America versus Concacaf. Uh, how does that match up work? Look, obviously, the the top South American teams are, are stacked. Uh, I mean, like you said, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Chile. Uruguay, all those teams are really strong, and uh, you know we're gonna see how 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 it plays out and how the U.S. And how Mexico and Costa Rica and Honduras, how they all stack up? No, exactly. And and then you also get, you know, everyone's, every few years you get, you know, wild card. You know, Colombia is good every once in a while. Venezuela is good every once in a while. It'll be a good opportunity. I mean, the U.S., I, was, I think they've only played in the Copa America twice. Mexico usually makes the trip down there. But to have it here, I mean, look, it's it's going to be great. We, we don't have the World Cup. And, yes, I agree. It kind of stinks. But but having a tournament of this magnitude, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be good. And I was speaking of international tournaments that the U.S. men's national team plays in. Word came out over the last day that the Gold Cup may be moving away from America. I think this is a bad move. Your thoughts? Well, you know, it is, if you think about it from the, you know, the, the broader perspective, it almost is a little unfair that the U.S. gets to host it every time. I know Mexico has been a co-host in the past. Uh, you know, to, look, to be fair, the U.S. is the best equipped to host it, obviously, uh, with the infrastructure. But from a competitive standpoint, it is a bit of an advantage, a bit of an unfair advantage for the U.S. to continue to be the host, even though that doesn't stop Mexico from having the home field advantage once you get into some of the games mm-hmm. and some of the stadiums in a, in a Gold Cup. But, uh, again, it, not, nothing set in stone. I mean, all that, all that the CONCACAF president, Jeffrey Webb, said was that you know he doesn't think it should always be in one country and uh, and that there should be some rotation now whether that's just him being a politician or uh, you know being you know honest and realistic about about changes and and, uh, and potentially moving it to, uh, to other places uh, that remains to be seen uh, you know for me I wouldn't mind it you know put it in Canada put it in Costa Rica I love Costa Rica uh, and you could even do it in Mexico so I think any of those countries would. Uh, would be able to do a good job as a host. I, I think Can- Canada is about to host the Women's World Cup in 2015, mm-hmm. so there's no reason Canada could couldn't be a host. So I, 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 I'm open to it, definitely. I, see, I, I could see Canada doing it. My, my one thing is this, is, is if you put it in Costa Rica, I mean, are people really going to be attending those group stage matches? They're not going to be well attended. The, the thing is, within America, I mean, you see sellouts when El, you know, El Salvador uh, plays, no, Costa Rica no. plays. No, yeah, but okay, it's, but it's, it's going to be better attended. Fi- the financial makeup is obviously going to be much better in America than it is Costa Rica. I mean, what, what are people going to show up in that for that the championship game? Maybe some semifinal? Not they're not going to show up in droves for the group stage matches. Well, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of migration in Central America. I know you're not that familiar with Central America. No, I, I know. Have there you is. ever even been to Central America? I've, I've been down in in certain parts of Mexico. <laughs> okay, well. 
having and, been, and not have, and not the tourist areas. Everyone's like, oh, he's been to well, Cancun. having been to Costa Rica, Honduras, and Guatemala, I can tell you that if they do a, if they do put a tournament in one of these countries, you will have uh, expats from those countries showing up at these tournaments, and you'll also have more travel because it's easier. Uh, in, in a lot of cases for people in Central America to travel within those countries. So from that standpoint, is it going to sell out? Are you going to have packed stadiums? Not necessarily, but it, it's not always about that. It's always, it's also about fairness, and it's also about giving everyone in the region an opportunity to to see some games. And and you know when you think about it that way, if the Copa, if the if the Gold Cup's always in the U.S., when it comes down to it, there are countries where whose fans just will never be able to come because you know for visa issues and travel issues. And and cost issues. So from that standpoint, well, you know, as much as I, as much as it's very convenient for me to have it here, mm-hmm. and and I've covered, I don't even know how many Gold Cups in a row and how many Gold Cup finals in a row. Uh, I totally see where Webb is coming from and where Concacaf would come from in wanting to to you know spread the wealth a little bit. So from that standpoint, you know, you have to look at it from the bigger picture and not just be kind of the greedy American, we're, we're, we're rich, we got all the stadiums, we should just do it. You know, like, that, That's we... not what I'm looking I'm just saying if, if they're looking to make the most money. There's plenty of empty stadium standpoint. games. Listen, for, a second, I thought, for a second, stadiums. I thought you were Jeffrey, Jeffrey Webb for a second on the show. I mean, you, you definitely seem to be, be uh, all, all on board about this, Ivis. You just want to travel. I, just, I think I just that's see, what it is. I just see, the, I see the, the value of it. I see it's not. And, and the thing is, you act like all these games are, are sold out. That is absolutely not the case. You, you you'll get occasions when you know whether like in El Salvador or Honduras plays you know in DC or, or New England or the East Coast somewhere where they have that you know the, the, those large fans select uh, you know uh, collections of, of fans there and obviously Mexico draws well anywhere in America so but there's there's also empty stadiums there's also games that are you know not that are a bit forgettable in terms of the attendance so it's not all you know it's not all cookies and ice cream put it that way so <laughs> if, it, if it were if they were selling out all the games they wouldn't even be thinking twice right now about moving this thing so uh I, if anything i'm sure Concacaf is feeling some pressure from the other uh conf- the other federations and and asking the question why why can't it be somewhere else why can't it be in canada why can't it be in mexico why can't it be in costa rica i think for me those are the three that 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 stand out for me that that could host it realistically uh just in terms of infrastructure and uh you know you're not that costa rica has the best infrastructure but uh you know i, th- I think they you know they have stadiums they have they, they you could have it Set you could keep it in, in San Jose and 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 in kind of the surrounding cities around there where they, where they have a lot of the club teams play. I think you could pull it off. So if it, if it's if it's up to me and we're, and it has to move, I say go. I say put it in Canada, put it in Costa Rica, and obviously Mexico. You have to think about as well. Looking at the 2013 Gold Cup, the two least attended games, Ivis, the U.S. were involved in all the other games. Granted, they announced attendances and you know how many comp tickets went out, but. Interesting stat right there. Also, another thing to justify your claim, Ivis, uh, when Mexico split duties with U.S., they won it in 2003 and won it in 1993. So I guess maybe getting out, getting in Costa Rica. You give Costa Rica a chance. Maybe Jamaica, have it in Jamaica. I'm sure everyone would love to go to Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Jamaica – well, it, you can't really do it in Jamaica. You can have all the games in one state. You can't – Jamaica doesn't really – it's not laid out you play, for it. You play down by the beach. <laughs> Down by the beach. <laughs> if anyone knows oh, that movie, such a half not, like very few people will get that reference. Oh come but on, the ones that do will appreciate it. <laughs> God, I stick to my. <laughs> I can I can quote the whole movie right now. Lord uh, of Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta stop. Okay. Yo 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 B, we gotta keep up with the show. All right, anyway. I'd be like, of course I'm 
we've gone on a complete half-baked uh, tangent. I love, I love that movie right. so funny. It is. I, I need to watch it now. Maybe me want to watch it. It is good. Um, and you know, here's a little, <laughs> little, little, little FYI for people who may not even be aware. If you actually saw the movie Half Baked, um, the 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 Puerto Rican uh, guy in it, like uh, Dave, Dave Chappelle's friend in it, Scarface. The one that was like, isn't the name Scarface in the movie? The one that when the one the one that is like, yo, be that guy. Yeah, he he is actually. It, it, I mean, I don't know how many people watch Scandal. A lot of people watch Scandal. I don't know. I doubt you watch Scandal. Although now that you live with your girlfriend, you're probably going to have to start watching Scandal. Uh, it's amazing. We can't even go one show with me living here without you having to bring that crap up. Anyway, the point is, one of the characters on Scandal is the same actor from Half Baked, and like he looks very different now. You wouldn't even know it's him. Almost, uh, you know, he he's got the beard now, and he's gained some weight, but it's the same actor. So for anyone who's watched Scandal and been like. Where does this guy look familiar? Why why do I know him? He's the same guy from Half Baked and also from some cameos on the Dave Chappelle show. So there you go. Yeah, that's good. That it is a good movie. Actually, real, real quick, on the list of you know your you know quote stoner movies, where's Half Baked? Is it your top five? Uh, there's some good Cheech and Chong movies, man. I mean, for the older for, Cheech for and the, Chong, man, that's dude, you're, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, hey, I'm just kidding. That's like the that's the OG. That's the original right there. Come on. You can't you can't compare half baked to that. That's like that's crazy. Half baked is good, but I mean you got okay you, in, in rec- recent movies then. Yeah, why you why you got to okay? Here, here's mine. Mine is mine is mine is how high with with Red Man and and uh and, and Method Man. That one's hilarious. Does Dazed and Confused count as that, a? That's a good one. That counts. That one. counts. That one. Counts. Okay. Well, Friday. Friday's got. Yeah, be Friday's like, pretty good. Yeah. Friday. Friday might be number one. Friday's not. I say Friday's number one. Uh, and then there's a couple. You got to put a couple of Cheech and Chong ones in there, and then and then you go half baked and Dazed and Confused. There you go, my that's, top five. That's a pretty good list. Random. I love how I love the tangents. We get we go from the Gold Cup moving <laughs> to ha- let's have Jamaica host it. Now we're, we're we're breaking down our stoner movie top five all the time. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, Ivis. En- enough with the international conversation talk. Time to move on. We need to talk Americans abroad. Terrence Boyd. Back-to-back weeks with the brace did it this past weekend. Man, he, he's making his case for Brazil incredibly strong with four goals, Ivis, in two matches. He's tearing it up. He's reminding people that, you know what, he is a talented young forward. And uh, what I found funny is some people who were, who were projecting that maybe he wouldn't even make the training camp roster, which is ridiculous to me. That's I mean, that was, that, that was never a question. The guy... It was always going to be part of the training camp roster. And for me, as and I've said it a long time, I've always felt like he is going to be on the World Cup team. Uh, I know he had his little slump, his little eight matches without a goal. And and, and I know Klinsman hasn't used him uh, much in the games that he's actually called him in. I mean, he's had a lot of DMP coaches' decisions. But having said that, I, I know Klinsman rates him. I know he he, he rates him pretty highly. Uh, and he's going to be there now that he's heating it up now. Now that he's, you know, four goals in two games. I mean, to score two goals against, you know, you can say what you want. Austrian League, you can say what you want. Red Bull Salzburg is a very good team. Uh, you know, they, they got pretty deep into the Europa League. So that quality competition, even though they had already clinched the league, but still t- top competition and he gets the job done and he's riding the momentum. And I think it's going to it's it can't it can only help him uh, c- going into that into that training camp. And obviously the competition is going to be really fierce there. 
uh, for those forward spots. Uh, and I like his chances to be one of those forwards in Brazil. Well, if you, you know, we have this conversation all the time. You know, as as a you know, if it was easy to score goals in whatever league you played in, you know, you and I obviously playing professionally, it's not easy to score goals, and you need to have that confidence going into it. And and you look at the dynamic, and, and not that I want to go on another tangent of of just how Josie Altidore is playing, but you know, when Josie Altidore was scoring a lot of goals for AZ in the Dutch league, I mean, he was outstanding for the U.S. Men's National Team. There was a time when he was scoring a lot of goals. I mean, look at Chris Wondolowski. Yeah, you could say, oh, he scored a couple goals against Belize, but hey, you and I are talking about he might be a good guy to take to Brazil 80th minute if you need to go off the bench. So for Terrence Boyd, man, keep scoring goals and keep doing that Cyclops celebration thing that he does with the, with the eye tattoo he has on his forearm. Yeah, it's a pretty nice tattoo. Yeah, it is a pretty nice tattoo. Oh, my God. Did you see Jermaine Jones, his tattoo on his knee? The American the, the, flag? The, oh the American flag God. on the knee? Uh, that's got to be that had to be pretty painful. You got to give him props that one. Yeah, that was I was I saw that I was like, "Oh jeez." Uh moving over to the German League Ivis, it looks like John Brooks is out of the doghouse, completely scored a goal for Hertha Berlin in their victory over I'm not even going to say who they're playing. Uh Ron Switch, I can't even say that's horrible. <laughs> but uh John Brooks Ivis. Uh, good for him, man. Out of the doghouse scoring goals for him, you know, got to get that confidence going. Another young guy. I, good result. <laughs> All I gotta say is it's nice to know that you you don't just butcher uh, Latino sounding names. Um, you can just it's Eintracht Braunschweiger. Uh, they're the last place team in the Bundesliga, so you won't even have to worry about them next year because they won't be in the Bundesliga. But anyway, still uh, a big result for him. He started two games in a row, and it's funny because this whole the whole thing with the the back tattoo and. Him being in a doghouse, you know, it's it, it's real. Nothing really came of it. If anything, he's he. It's like the tattoo spurred him on. It's get, like he, he. I don't know what the back tattoo was, but if it was wings, then it's clearly the wings are working because he's been he's been flying since. He's gotten two straight starts, and now he's got the goal in this game. And I tell you what, the, the for me, the fourth so center back position is up for grabs, and he's really positioning himself to go into that camp. With a really good chance to 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 lock that down, so you know, the, I, you know, it remains to be seen which center backs Klinsman mm-hmm. calls into that camp, but it's going to be a pretty pretty fierce competition. Well, speaking about defenders, Ivis Timmy Chandler returned, and oh, I'm sorry, you want to talk about center backs? You're messaging me right now. Let's talk about the center backs right now. Uh, there was a list on your website, SoccerByIvis.net, that came out listed. All the center backs right now, Ivis. When you look at the pool, I think we could both say that Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler are right there. You could say Clarence Goodson is maybe the number three, but you know, even with Clarence Goodson at number three, I mean, you still got a bunch of guys competing for that spot to Brazil at number three. Nothing set in stone with all these guys right now. Well, I think those three are the first three, uh, just based on obviously recent performances and how much they've played and how Klinsman prefers them. Now, the four spots really up in the air. Uh, you know, at one point it seemed like maybe Michael Orozco was positioning himself for that. He seems like he's well suited to be a Matt Beisler replacement just because he's, you know, he's a quick and technical center back. He's not, you know, an aerial dominant six foot four specimen like, uh, you know, Goodson and Gonzalez are the, you know, the taller center backs. But now Orozco's hurt. You know, here he's got the injured hamstring. He, he finished the season missing the last few games uh, with that injury. So you don't know how how that's going to affect him going into the camp or if he's even going to be healthy for the camp. But you combine that with Brooks playing well, Tim Ream playing well, and Aguchi Onyewu playing, getting consistent starts at Sheffield Wednesday, and all of a sudden you have a pretty pretty wide-open field. And that's not including guys like, obviously, Jeff Cameron and Marisa Du. And, and I know some people, at least one person on Twitter, 
made the comment that you know because we did our list and we and it was the list and it's pure center backs the way we're doing these these pieces on these positions is we don't include players who are at you know that that it's their secondary positions we 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 list them at their primary position primary positions in these position battle pieces so Marisa Du Jeff Cameron were not listed in our list but we mentioned them in the intros Yes, could the possibility arise where Cameron and Adu are deputized in their center back roles? Sure, that's possible. But for right now, Jeff Cameron is a right back. He's going to be the right back. And for right now, Maurice Adu is a, center, uh, is a defensive midfielder, central midfielder. So uh, until Klinsman actually moves those guys, until he like, he puts it out there like, okay, no, we're, we're mm-hmm. uh, Cameron is going to be a center back in Brazil. Adu's going to be a center back in Brazil. We're not going to get into that. We're going to get into the center backs that are in contention. For those spots and those and the players that we mentioned before, obviously Beasler, Gonzalez, Goodson, top three, mm-hmm. and then the four spots up is up for grabs right now. I'd I'd give Onyewu the edge, <laughs> and uh, and I think I tell you what I think Tim Ream, uh, based on what I've read out of England uh, about his performances over the season for Bolton, he's done really well. And now they just played Bolton actually just played Sheffield Wednesday, so you had Ream against Onyewu, and according to the reports out of England. Reem outplayed Onyewu. It wasn't even close. Reem was, you know, I, I saw one player rating for the match, which Bolton won handily. I think it was 3-1 was the final. Uh, Tim Reem got a 7, which is a very good score. Uh, Onyewu got a 4. So, you know, from that standpoint, if you believe what's coming out of England, Tim Reem is, is ha- had a really good year. He's played all over. He's played left back. He's mm-hmm. played center back. He's played right back. But he's predominantly been a center back. And the thing with Tim Reem has always been, can he... Uh, you know, avoid the mistakes. Can he? Can he? You know, solidify the defensive part of things, because the passing is there. You can argue he's the best passer in the pool. Really? I, know I some, would say I, I would say Clarence Goodson's the best passer in the pool. No, not even close. Matt, Be- mm. if any if anyone's competing with Tim Ream, it's Matt Beasler. It's not Clarence Goodson. It's Matt Beasler. Matt Beasler. Mm, I, the, I, I I no, I don't, I don't agree with you. It's on that that's one. crazy. You're no, that's ridiculous. I don't based agree on, with you on that like one. What? At all. Based on what? Like I'm sorry. Like it's the just Gold not... Cup, dude. Clarence Goodson was a monster in the Gold Cup. He did he well. He did well. With his distribution Matt... from the back, Clarence Goodson is an excellent distributor. I'm not saying he's not a. I'm saying he's not. I'm not saying he's terrible. I know you're not. Matt Beasler is just a better distributor than Clarence Goodson. I'm sorry. We'll disagree on that. But Tim Ream absolutely is the best. For me, I'll just say it. He's the best passer, best passing center back in the player pool. The issue with him is, is defensively. He uh, he really, really, back in 2011 when he was still part of the mix, and everybody remembers the Gold Cup where he was really shaky. He made some really bad mistakes. Uh, he started thinking too much, and he really started. And it, honestly, what he went through is pretty similar to what Armand Gonzalez has gone through, where you know instead of just kind of letting the game come to him and just reacting and just letting the game flow, he started thinking too much, and then he kind of you know thought himself into mistakes. And that's Gonzalez has done the same thing, uh, but when it happened to Reem, obviously Reem ended up falling out of the pool, falling out of the picture. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann came along, and obviously, you know, Tim Ream wasn't part of his plan. So, uh, is Tim Ream going to make the training camp? I think that's still a coin flip. But for me, based on everything you read out of Bolton, out of England, he's done really well. And if the if the scouts are watching, and I'm sure they are, if Klinsmann and, and his and his coaching staff are keeping tabs on things over there, I think they're going to want to get a look at him. Well, you have to assume though, with with John Brooks, I mean, if if he continues to get playing time, I mean, his age has to give him a, a Big advantage, right? Uh, you know, I don't know about that because here's the thing, right? 
you, how many positions are you going to give to guys just because they're they're young and it can be for the future? You're already going to, you know, chances are you're already going to do that with Julian Green, right? So, I mean, if anything, I think Klinsman wants more experience in the center back pool. Mm-hmm. Beasley and Gonzalez aren't exactly, you know, sitting on 100 caps. I mean, these are guys who didn't even a year and change ago had never even had played in a qualifier. So, from that standpoint, you know, can you afford to have, you know, a, yet another relatively young defender and yet another relatively young center back? And that, and for me, that's why I think Onyewu still has a possibility of getting called in. It still has a possibility to make it to the training camp, even though people are really down on him and how bad he was against Ukraine and how he really hasn't shown anything in the opportunities that he's had. I get that. I totally get that. I'm not sitting here saying Oguchi Yewu has looked great because he hasn't. But at the same time, he is the only center back in the pool, in the active pool, that has played in the World Cup because Clarence Goodson was there but didn't play. Carlos Bocanegra is, you know, he's he's uh, he's no longer in the mix. J.D. Merritt's not in the mix. Oguchi was your one guy. And, you know, I'm sure some, somewhere Klinsman would prefer if Onyewu could play himself into that spot so he could take him. But, again, if he's not playing well, if he still isn't 100%, if he's still physically limited, uh, still a step slow, then you can't take him. You can't. And for me, I wouldn't take him anyway just because – if your three are Beasler, Goodson, and Gonzalez, Gonzalez and Goodson, you already have two big boys in good and Gonzalez and Goodson, six foot five, six foot four. Uh, you know, do you need another big big center back, or can you go with a more technical center back? Now, Brooks is tall, no question about it. He's also six four, but he's technical. He's he's good on the ball. He's 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 a bit more of a kind of a savvy center back. He's not like a physical, physically imposing presence. I mean, he's tall, but he's pretty rail thin. So if I'm Klinsman, I'm looking at uh, John Brooks, and I'm looking at Tim Ream. And I guess we'll see in a couple of weeks who he calls in. Any, any chance of seeing any outside guys that we didn't name? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of discussion for people trying to make that plea for, for Chris Schuler. I'm not high on the guy, but a lot of people keep thinking that he has a really solid chance here. Here's the thing that I need to point out about someone like Chris Schuler and, and something – that, that I don't think people factor in when it comes to a lot of these situations, especially when you talk about older players. Not that Chris Schuler is an older player, but he has similar issues that some older players have, and that's injuries. If you're a coach, if you're a national team coach, you're going into a World Cup, you want guys who are not going to get injured, uh, you know, who are not injury prone. And that's part of the reason you kind of shy away from older players. You shy away from players in their, in their you know, early to mid-30s who are in the tail ends of their career. If you can avoid it, you don't bring them. You go. You find yourself younger options. And I know I can guarantee you that when Klinsman sat down and looked at the center back pool back in 2013, beginning of 2013, and he made the conscious decision to get away from Carlos Bocanegra and to go to Beasler and Gonzalez, he did so thinking that you know what, I need to get younger, I need to get stronger and healthier. And the Schuler, when he's on his game, when Schuler's on his game and healthy. He's good, man. He can play. But again, he doesn't have any experience on the international level. You're not going to bring him to Brazil. That's just not even if you were healthy, you're not going to bring him. But he has trouble staying healthy. You know, from a physical standpoint, he's had issues his entire career with staying healthy. So I think from that standpoint, that's why you you you, you knock him down a peg. And that's also, I think, for me, why Chad Marshall people, a lot of people have been talking about Chad Marshall uh on Twitter. I'm getting asked this a lot, especially from Seattle fans who now now that he's a Seattle Sounder, 
and he's also had as the concussion issues. You know, he's he's had multiple concussions. He's like one concussion away from being done. I mean, he that you know, say what you want. That's something that a coach has to think about. And from that standpoint, it's like you're almost kind of walking on eggshells there, and you're like, do I want to risk that? Do I want to bring a guy in who? Uh, you know what? If he t- takes one a good knock, he's done. Like mm-hmm. so, I think I think it hurts guys like him, Chris Schuler. And you could say it's fair, you could say it's not fair. But you know what? As a coach, you have to worry about these things. So for me, that's why I think you know more than likely all four center backs are probably going to be guys in their twenties. Although maybe Goodson's thirty now. I, I don't know his exact age, but I think Goodson will be the oldest of the center backs when when it's all said and done. That's crazy. Clarence Goodson will be the oldest guy. How old is he? Like twenty eight, I think. <laughs> Well, that's just it. Beasley, <laughs> Gonzalez. Think about that. I don't think well, about yeah. That. If your four center backs are Beasley, Gonzalez, Goodson, and Brooks, he's he, then he's the oldest one. So, <laughs> I mean, but it's a young man's game. I'm telling you that there's a reason when you look at it. You, it World Cup after World Cup, teams generally try not to bring old defenders because old defenders, you know, as as well as they might do in qualifying, as well as they might do in the run up. It's funny how many times throughout the years. You see old defenders get exposed at the World Cup. And 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 I know Mexican fans are absolutely going crazy, nervous about that fact, because Rafa Marquez is all of a sudden their best center back again. And he's not exactly a spring chicken. So uh from that standpoint, uh, you know, this isn't this isn't Klinsman's first World Cup, right? So he I, I'm sure he's aware and he wants to bring himself a nice, strong, young, stable of center backs. He would love to have himself one. World Cup veteran, at least one. But unfortunately for him, the only one he can turn to is Onyewu, and Onyewu hasn't looked great. So, you know, if you can't find that veteran, World Cup veteran, uh, then, you know, you just have to look elsewhere. And for me, Brooks and Reem are the guys that I would be seriously looking at for that four spot. Well, I was moving uh, moving on and continuing to talk about the U.S. men's national team possibilities to Brazil at the defensive positions. Timmy Chandler returned, played 45 minutes for Nuremberg over the weekend. Jurgen Klinsmann tweeted about it. It's pretty big. It's pretty big, Ivis, to have Jurgen Klinsmann make note of it on Twitter because he doesn't do that with every single player. Right, and I mean to be fair, it was a combined tweet with Brad Evans and Tim Chandler, but the fact that he, you know made the point of tweeting it and who and again who knows is it even Klinsman tweeting it is it someone tweeting it for him we don't really know but if the fact that he noted it I think is interesting and and I've said it from when he got injured that you know if he hadn't gotten injured I firmly believe that that Tim Chandler would be on this team would be on the World Cup team I think he's that good and 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 it's I know a lot of people will look back to that Honduras qualifier his one uh, you know, cap tying cap for the U.S. is one qualifying match for the U.S. And that's what they remember. And they think, oh, you know, he's not that good. And, you know, there are better options. And like, no, folks, when he's on his game, for my money, he's the best right back in the pool when he's on his game. And before he got hurt, uh, before he got hurt for, for Nuremberg, he was rolling. He was starting to score goals, set up goals. Mm-hmm. He was really becoming a threat and a force for Nuremberg. And unfortunately for him, the timing of that could not have been worse. He's missed more than two months now, and that's the tricky part now. If you're Klinsman, right, um, you know, at best he's going to get, what, a couple more games to, to maybe get match fit. He only played 45 in this first game, so he's not quite there yet. Do you take a chance with a roster spot for him? Me, it, I, I, I'm taking him. I take him if he's healthy. I take it. You know, I call him up and I ask him, are you 100%? And, and then I take him. Um, and 
give him a chance to compete and see how he stacks up against these other other right backs. Whether it's, I mean, Cameron's obviously going to be at the World Cup, but when you want to talk about a Brad Evans, Michael Parkhurst, uh, you know, see how Chandler stacks up because for me, he's he's a he's he's a better defender than Brad Evans. He's a better attacking option than Michael Parkhurst, and overall. Uh, when you want to talk about speed, defensive ability, crossing ability, attacking ability, he is the best right back option. Like for me, if if I'm building the team, if he's healthy, and he's you know if he can if you can get him match fit, get him healthy, I'm starting him at right back, and I'm moving Jeff Cameron to center back. That's what I for me that I think that could be the best uh, best back for possible. And again, as a big if, if Chandler were healthy, if he's healthy, and he can get his match fitness together. Fabian Johnson, Matt Beasler, Jeff Cameron, Tim Chandler, for me, would be a pretty damn good back four. Pretty promising back four. But again, there's so many ifs there. Is he is he is he even gonna get the chance to go to the training camp? Is he fit? Is he gonna be fit enough? So there's so many question marks there. But for me, uh, I know some people aren't high on him because he hasn't been a part, and that's fair, right? He hasn't been a part of the team in 14 months. That's a long time. 14 months. He put his the last time he was there, Carlos Bocanegra was there, and and it seems like a hundred years ago since Bocanegra was part of the team. Yeah, so that that puts it into perspective how long he's been away. But clearly, the fact that you know Klinsman mentioned him and they have gone to scout him he, before he got hurt, they had gone gone to see him in Germany, uh, and and Klinsman had been quoted as saying that you know there is no rift. He isn't in his doghouse. There's none of this and that. Like they kind of shot that down. Chandler did as well, to his credit. You know, they they tried to downplay this whole idea that that there that Ch- he was Chandler was in Klinsman's doghouse, and I was completely under that impression um, because there were questions about his commitment to the team and and his willingness to to you know come in for call ups that you know maybe uh, were inconvenient. There were some questions there. There for me, there's no doubt about that. There were questions about that. Um, but according to Klinsman, that's not why he wouldn't call him in. Uh, and it had more to do with his form at the time of certain call-ups where he, 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 he ignored, uh, Chandler. But for right now, it's get, it's crunch time. World cup is coming. You need the best players you can get. And I can tell you, I already hear it from some U S fans that are like, it, it, should Chandler even be considered? Cause considering he hasn't been around, is it fair to the players who've been around? Is it fair to a Brad Evans? And like, you know what, for me, folks, the, the world cup and, 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 and competition and playing for championships and playing for trophies. It's not about, uh, you know, people supposedly having earned positions. It's about who's the best guy now. And if Chandler's the best guy, you bring him. And I don't think any player is going to have an issue with that. Any player, you, you think Tim Howard is going to mind if Tim Chandler's there, if Tim Chandler's the best guy? Absolutely not. And that goes for anyone on that team. They want the best players there. And it's not like they don't know Chandler. Chandler's been there before. He's been games before. So, you know what? If he gets healthy and he gets into that camp, if he, if he goes to Stanford, I absolutely could see him getting on the team. Well, most of this is just things that, you know, obviously, as we know, I was, you know, it's just fans and and people causing a crap storm on Twitter, you know? I'm not even going to get into it. I don't want anyone uh, complaining about I, I, I'm 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 laying off the soapboxes because you got a few sensitive people who apparently think that I'm too much of a, you know, I get on the soapboxes a little too often. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take it easy, uh, you know, cuz, you know, apparently if uh, if you if you express your opinions uh emphatically 
and you're you know you stand firm behind your opinions then then that makes the apparently some people have a problem with that I yeah that 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 i don't get but anyways that is we we can move on before you get on your soapbox again uh <laughs> joe jow ivis the young player the under 23 for the uh u.s men's national team made his bundesliga debut for hoffenheim over the weekend this is a guy for the future that people should pay attention to but congratulations joe for making your bundesliga debut this past weekend a uh, very exciting player, uh, someone who I would like to have seen had more of a chance on that U23 team uh, a couple years back. You know, he was the youngest guy on that team, and uh, you know he didn't really get a chance to get a, a ton of minutes in that in that qualifying tournament. But I can tell you, the guy—I mean, he's—he could be one of the fastest players in the pool, and uh, and a real exciting attacking option. And again, he's been playing on the reserve level. He hasn't had the chance to play on the first team level, but. Big opportunity for him to get some minutes, and even though it's late in the year, it's still encouraging to see that he is in the mix there for Hoffenheim, and hopefully next year he can tran- that that can translate into an opportunity for him to really get some serious minutes. He also has like one of the weirdest looking last names to pronounce. It's it's insane. It's G Y A U, but it's Jow. It's it's crazy. <laughs> I think I think I think a lot of American fans by now have figured out how to pronounce his name. I hope they did. I hey, I said it right. I was just give me a pat on the back. That's pretty shocking, actually, that Thank you got you. it right. Appreciate that. Uh, well, it was time to move on. Talk Major League Soccer Week Eight. We talked about this game for our weekend preview. Seattle taking on Colorado Rapids. We said that this, you know, Colorado's playing well, but look, they're going to run into a freight train, and that is the Seattle Sounders and Clint Dempsey. Dempsey, I guess, two goals in this game. Had a hand in in the opening goal that Lamar Nagel scored. I mean, look at this point, Ivis Seattle. They, they're their own worst enemy. They're, no one's going to beat them unless Seattle somehow suffers a, a strange off day. Everything's rolling. Oh, for them. settle down! <laughs> Come on, really? Now they're unstoppable. Yes, no, they're unstoppable that, no. right now. Uh, Ivis. No, it's, sorry, that's not. Let's not go that far. Their attack is playing really well, no doubt about it. Dempsey, Obafemi Martins, they are on. They are clicking. They are on a wavelength right now where it's hard to stop. But, I mean, take it easy, okay? They, they, they're one of the better teams in the league, no doubt about it. But you know what? When they crush an RSL, when they crush the Galaxy, when they crush, and I say crush, Sporting Kansas City, then you can talk about that. Obviously, they beat Sporting Kansas City in the opener in a real nail-biter last-minute goal. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on handing them an MLS Cup. Because they're on a nice little run here, and their 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 offense is, is rolling. But hey, look at this game, right? It was forty five minutes scoreless, zero zero for forty five minutes. You get in a stoppage time, first half stoppage time, and worst time you can give up a goal is right going into halftime, right? So obviously mm-hmm. that didn't work out in their favor. Gave Seattle a lot of momentum, um, and you know what, Colorado? I really feel like when I saw their starting lineup before the game, and and Dylan Powers was not in the game. I had a feeling they were pretty much doomed at that point because, I mean, I said it in the last show that Colorado needed to be able to pose an attacking threat against Seattle to keep them honest. And and I just feel like without powers there, they were really lacking uh, in the midfield. And, and Seattle eventually, they they calibrated their attack. And once they, they found that rhythm, they really blew it open in the second half. And Clint, what can you say? Clint Dempsey is just cr- is, is is destroying it right now. He's he is playing the best soccer in the league right now. He is the he is playing like the best player in MLS. And and the crazy thing about it is, almost Bobby Martins might be playing like the second best player in MLS. So when you have two of those guys just absolutely destroying it, um, it, it's what can you do? It's really tough to stop. And uh, but again. I'm, I'm gonna reserve jobs and before I say, oh hey, you know, MLS <laughs> Cup and this and that. No, they're on a roll. 
They're hot. They, 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 I mean, this isn't a surprise, right? I no, mean, it's not at all. Coming this, this into is, the year, this is what Seattle should be doing. Their attack, yeah, their attack should be able to score goals, yeah. right? I mean, look, Colorado isn't, you know, they're not uh, this juggernaut defensive team. So let's not go there. And the game before that, they they beat up on Chivas USA. I mean, what was that? Uh, you know, I mean, I, so I mean, I I don't know. I, I for me, they're really good. They're in that conversation. They're one of those top teams. They're number one. They're gonna, number one in power rankings right now. Uh, which is totally fair, but it's early. There's other teams that you have to worry about, and you have to see how it all breaks out uh, down toward the end of the season, not in April. Yeah, well, you know, Seattle clearly was going through the growing pains last year. The way they're playing right now, this is how they should be doing it. Moving on, Ivis DC United dismantled FC Dallas. All right, if you look at the box score, that's what you think. But Dallas came out, borrowed Diaz. Great goal at the beginning of the game. Wheels came off for FC Dallas in the 39th minute when Zach Lloyd received his second yellow, resulted in him leaving. Mauro Diaz comes off. And then DC Ivis, four goals in the second half. Fabian Espindola with a brace in this one. We've talked about it all year, Ivis. When a team goes down a man, it just seems like that is the ultimate just just death sentence for every single team. And for DC, hey, they took advantage of it and put a stamp on it too. Yeah, that's the crazy part. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, so, and it's funny, right? So, I've been saying it for a while, you know, I haven't seen the result yet that makes me believe in DC United and believe me, believe in them as a team to beat, as a team that's going to be a playoff team and be really strong. Uh, is this the game? Uh, I mean, I saw some good things, but they were losing when that red card happened. And not to say the red card wasn't a legit red card. No one's saying that. It was a second yellow. You, you can say what you want. Uh, 39th minute red card for Zach Lloyd. They're losing 1-0 at that point. And then the wheels fell off again, much like the Seattle game. The uh, uh, FC Dallas gives up the goal just before halftime, which was a crushing, crushing uh, blow, right? Because mm-hmm. you you think about it. You're, you're down a man. You're up 1-0. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, we got to get in. If we get into this locker room with the lead, then we can reorganize. We can come up with a strategy to hold on to this lead down a man. And boom. Fabiana Spindola scores the, uh, you know, scores that equalizer, and that just deflated FC Dallas. And you know, say what you want about being the man down, but that's not an excuse to get to completely fall apart. And I know we've seen teams do that in in MLS this year. And my 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 thing is this, right? It isn't easy being down a man, but at a certain point, there has to be some accountability. A coach has to be able to organize his team in a way. <clears throat> that they can cope with that kind of situation, right? I mean, in this league, the way these referees are, a lot of times, you have to worry about these kind of things. Legit or not, you have to worry about the uh, about the possibility for these red cards. So you have to get your team ready for these situations. And look, Oscar Pereira is a good coach. Uh, I've said it forever. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's going to do really well with this team. But at a certain point, you can't. the excuse of, oh, we were down a man doesn't fly when you allow yourselves to get mm-hmm. just destroyed. By a team that, for me, isn't... I mean, if you get destroyed by Seattle down a man, hey, it's Seattle. They're, they'll destroy you with, with 11 men. Uh, but DC isn't exactly a juggernaut. So when you let them rip you apart, then there's got to be some questions there. Credit to DC and credit to Espindola, who is... You know, not only is he playing well, but he's having fun. And I, I'm, I know I've said that. I know I said this when he was in New York. He was miserable in New York. He, was, he, he, was, he hated being here. I mean, there would be games where he'd score a goal... And the team would win, and you'd think, oh, this guy's going to be happy after the game. You'd go to the locker room, the Red Bulls locker room after the game, and the guy's completely, like, miserable looking. And he didn't want to be in New York. Now he's in D.C., whatever, you know, 
the change is is done is done wonders for him. He's happy. He's having fun. You can see it in the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Eddie Johnson isn't scoring yet. Hasn't scored a goal yet. But as long as he keeps setting up his spindle, they're going to be all right. Yeah, it, look, D- DC took advantage. You know, Dallas Maro Diaz leaves the field. Then then Blas Perez leaves. Then you have you know forty five minutes without your two best players. But you're right. I mean, look, you you. you it's it's not easy. Look at Vancouver Chivas early in the season. Vancouver couldn't even take advantage of, of the man advantage for what was that like? That was I think that was two hundred minutes, and Vancouver couldn't even score in Chivas USA. But for Dallas, man, you can't let moments like this slip away. But for DC, man, I was they need they're looking to build and they're continuing to build. And I think what's DC now on on a five match unbeaten streak? They're they're on a nice little run right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, Ivis, moving up to the uh, to the East Coast. Well, moving up the coast, New England. Defeated Kansas City, continuing the house of horrors for Kansas City, man. They just can't seem to catch a break in the Boston area. Teal Bunbury punishes his side at the very end of the game with the match winner. Lee Wynn scores a goal for them. Granted, both goals were an insane amount of stoppage time. But for New England, though, a win's a win. Defeated Kansas City at home. They're starting to figure things out. New England's starting to wake up a little bit. They're, uh, you know, they have two, they're 2 0 one in their last three. And, uh, you know, they, as much as it, it, it came down to a stoppage time goal, it's still beating a team, a KC team, that isn't easy to beat. And, yes, again, KC down a man. Down a man, it's tough. But, look, to be fair, I mean, 74th minute, you got 16 minutes to close it out. Uh, you know, they, and they almost did. They almost did. I mean, when you, when you, you get to the 90th minute, you think, okay, we're going to get this point. Uh, but credited to New England for keeping the pressure on and breaking through in stoppage time uh, until Bunbury, obviously, with the with the winner against his former team. And, you know, that had to be uh, extremely sweet for him. Uh, but look, New England's on a roll. And it's interesting to note that they're rolling now or, or they're really heating up now without Jose Gonzalez and still without Kellen Rowe. And. Uh, when Kellen, Kellen Rowe coming back, I think is more important for them, as crazy as that might sound, given that Gonsalves is a defender of the year. But Kellen Rowe coming back is, is, is more important for them because I'll tell you what, man, Andrew Farrell it, as a center back is looking really good. Andrew Farrell is – and I've, I mean, I, I know I've said this a million times before that for me he's always been a better center back than – a because he's not a right back. He's been, He's been put there. He can play there. But center back is where he's going to make his money. Center back's where, at the end of the day, if he's going to have you know a career as a, if he's going to have a star type career, it's going to be at center back. And now we've seen it. Now we've seen him really coming into his own and 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 playing well and looking really steady there. So I think that's something that New England fans can definitely be happy about. And uh, Teal Bunbury, you know, you want to see him get going. Obviously, you need him to get going because you know you, you lost Agadello. You need Bunbury to pick up that slack and be that target forward for the attack, and and he, you know what? Maybe this is the goal that gets him going. Look, I agree with you on Kellen Rowe. When when he was playing last year, I was, I mean, you just talk about the matchup problems that he created. But, I mean, look, if New England can get going, I was, they'll be a dangerous side. And we said going into the season, you and I were really high in New England, and it looks like they've been they finally figured out what kind of those early season problems were for them. I mean, they're on a three match beating streak right now. After I mean, granted, they were scheduled to begin start the season was really difficult. I think they had four road games in, in five in their five opening matches, but some home cooking, man, it's doing well, the good. Well, just, just keep in mind now, the next couple of weeks are going to really tell the tale. They got Toronto FC, and then they got Seattle. So those two games are going to tell us a lot about where this New England team, where this New England, te- New England team is heading into the summer. 
I was moving over to the Western Conference. We talked about this one, RSL-Vancouver. We said, hey, maybe this is the game where RSL can take a step back. They did slightly. They're still undefeated, but they did let in two late goals against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, you know, for RSL, though, they're undefeated still. But for Vancouver, though, I mean, look, they had to be pretty pleased with this, being able to come back from two goals on this one. Yeah, Vancouver's the happier team, obviously. Uh, RSL was in complete control. I think they scored in the f- two both goals in the first 10 minutes. They're, they they The game looked like it was going to be a blowout, and then uh, they never did get that third goal to kind of really put it out of reach. And here's the thing. Nick Raimondo has been, has been Superman so far during the season, uh, but apparently Vancouver brought the kryptonite because he did not look like the Nick Raimondo we've seen in the weeks prior to that, you know, the player of the week caliber uh, Raimondo. I mean, he obviously could have done better on both goals for them. And um, the second goal, you know what, I- I'll say, I mean, there was a lot of movement there. Uh, it's easy to look at that on slow motion. And I always feel like goalkeepers get a bit of a raw deal when people look at, at mistakes and look at, at at things that they think should have been easier to deal with than mm-hmm. they are. But I do think that first goal was, was you know, he could have done better on that. And I'm sure he would agree with that. So, you know what, if you're RSL and you keep relying on Ramondo to save your day at a certain point, he's not going to do that. So, you know, I think it came back to bite him a bit. And Vancouver, man, they have those attacking weapons that they can put those goals on you pretty quickly. And Sebastian Fernandez, he's, you know, he's already got two killer, like, what are we, six weeks into the season? Well, it's week eight, but he already has two amazing goals. And he's looking like a great find for them, you know, him coupled with Pedro Morales. And uh, they're, they're still not quite clicking all the way, Vancouver. Um, they still haven't been able to put 90-minute games together. They have these great endings, these great first halves. They, they, you know, the the Red Bull win was probably the one complete game they had. Um, but if they ever do get it rolling, if Carl Robinson ever gets them to really be bear down and be a 90-minute team uh, with the weapons they have, they're going to be tough to deal with. But okay, for, but for RSL, when 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 does the red flag come up, Ivis? I mean, in the last six weeks. They've led in late goals. I mean, they did it here against against Vancouver, a team they should have beat. They did it against Philadelphia, a team they should have beat. And earlier in the season, they did it against San Jose, a team they shouldn't have beat, where they've let goals in at the very dying minutes of the game. I mean, what, what can RSL do? Do they need to go out and bring someone in? Do they need to tighten it up? I mean, what, what, what is it here? I mean, Settle down. I mean, really? You got to go bring I'm people? Saying. I'm just, I'm the, just saying. They're undefeated. What do they, they need to bring in? They you know what? You're gonna have you're gonna give up like goals. It, it it happens, right? I mean, it's not you know this is an uncharted territory. You don't expect the best goalkeeper in the league to have a couple of blunders late in a match. So I mean, how do you you know how do you account for that? And let's face it, they're not the first team to give up a late goal to San Jose. So I mean, from that standpoint, I don't. I they that is not a trend. You want to you want to you want to talk about a trend late game goal trend? Philly. That is something you worry yeah. about. The, what fit? That's a whole. You know what I mean? That is an example of. What is up with this team? They need to figure some things out. RSL is not quite. I I I don't think any alarm bells need to go off just yet, as far as that goes. All right, well, well, I'll keep an eye on that for you. I was sending over to the Eastern <laughs> Conference: Columbus Crew, New York Red Bulls, played to a one-one draw. Bradley Wright Phillips, red hot, scored a goal for the York Red Bulls, the equalizer. Hyder Arrieta scored the opening goal for the Crew, and uh, I mean, look, Ivis, Columbus Crew, first in the East right now. Greg Bullhalter has his team playing pretty well right now. They're doing okay. Uh, I tell you what, the I'll give the Red Bulls some credit in this one to, to go in there and get a point after having played a midweek game. I mean, I think that was very impressive for them. And Bradley Wright Phillips, SBI MLS Player of the Week, and also the official MLS Player of the Week. Uh, he had the hat trick on Wednesday, but then he scores the nice goal against Columbus to tie things up. 
he's looking more and more like he could be that guy that helps to carry the load for Terry Henry because Henry can't carry the attack on his own. Um, this was a good matchup. Uh, you know, the, these teams are, uh, you know, we're going to, they're going to see plenty of each other. And, uh, right now that, you know, I think they, KC is still for me, look, that KC is the cream of the crop in the East. Uh, you know, I know Columbus is technically in first place right now, but KC will be there in the end. I think they're the team that, that, that everyone has to really deal with. But I tell you what, Columbus and New York, uh, you know, pretty good. They're looking pretty good. I, I think the former out of the two things that you announced I think I think the SBI team of the I mean player of the week is way more important than MLS player of the week. Oh yeah, I mean whatever. Uh, you, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that goes vote, without saying. Well, it, it, I always find it funny uh, seeing some of the votes for that stuff because it, it's always hilarious to me. Because I mean, look, not everyone gets it wrong. I mean, obviously some people get it right, uh, but I, I I think I just don't think they're selective enough when it comes to that. Which is why I don't vote anymore in that particular voting, and we just do our own on SBI. Um, but Bradley Wright Phillips. It was hard to argue with it, even though I think some people forgot about his hat trick on Wednesday and and voted for like Espindola and Dempsey and yeah, those guys had great games. But you know what? If you get a hat trick and you score an equalizer in the same week, uh, you're going to be player of the week. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, I was San Jose first victory of the season, defeating Chivas USA. Congratulations, San Jose. Uh, yeah, that was painful to watch, and the only thing that the only redeeming part of that game. Uh, there were two redeeming parts of that game. One was Yanni Jallo looked really impressive for San Jose coming off the bench, coming in at halftime and really giving them some energy. And number two, I was able to watch the UFC uh, pay-per-view card while I watched that game. And I kept waiting for San Jose, the San Jose game to turn into a UFC fight, which happens quite a bit, but it didn't happen this time. Uh, San Jose, you know what? Hey, they got that win. And uh, another point I should make, J.J. Koval. He looks legit. He looks the real deal, and I've been hearing a lot of positive reviews about Koval uh, coming into the season. Uh, and and he he obviously showed well in the Concap Champions League as a rookie. Um, is he going to catch Harrison Ship for Rookie of the Year? I think Harrison Ship's going to run away Rookie of the Year. But if you're going to want to try to figure out who the finalists are, uh, JJ Koval could end up playing his way into that into that situation. And uh, uh, you know, for those who missed it, uh, my MLS rap column for Gold.com this week talked about the rookies of 2014 and how this year's rookie class is really, really weak in, in, in the sense of, you know, you're not that you had one rookie start this weekend, one, and that was JJ Koval. To be fair, Harrison ship was on a bye. Eric Miller had started every game and then Frank Lopez decided to rest in this week. But the rookie class just isn't when you think about last year's rookie class, when you had, you know, Dylan Powers, DeAndre Yedlin, uh, Deshaun Brown, Andrew Farrell, uh, will trap Scott Caldwell. I mean, you can just keep running down the line. Uh, this year, it's like Harrison Ship and uh, Crickets. You know, after that, it's kind of. I mean, there's talent there, no, no question about it. But teams are just not giving these guys chances. And uh, you know, other than Colorado, who has played three different rookies this year, uh, you don't get a lot of teams really giving rookies much of a chance. So my question is, you know, why is that? Is it because the talent just isn't as good? And I know, and I know some people will jump on that and say, yes. The college game is terrible. It's not producing enough talent. But you know what? It's not on the college game. I'm putting it on the academies because when are these academies going to start cranking out some pro-ready players? And I'm not talking about guys who go to college and put in their two, three, four years and then come out. I'm talking about guys who go straight from academy to the first team. When are we going to start seeing that? And, uh, you know, we're just not seeing enough of that. We're not seeing enough. Uh, final product pro-ready guys coming out of these academies, and at a certain point, it has to get better. 
these academy these and the teams have to do better. They have to invest more money. I know you agree with me on all these things, but when you look at this rookie class and you're looking at the homegrowns, and we're talking true homegrowns, we're not talking about Harrison Ship. Harrison Ship is technically a homegrown player. He played four years in Notre Dame, folk. That is what developed him, not his you know cup of coffee in in the Chicago Fire youth system. The four years in Notre Dame are what polished him to be what is clearly the best rookie in the draft in in the rookie class this year. So that's just something I think people should keep an eye on. When our team's going to really get serious about their academy setups? Because if they don't get serious and don't start putting more money into it and and improving the coaching level, uh, we're not, until that happens, we're not going to see uh, kids come up through the system and be ready to play mm-hmm. right away or even in a year. How often do we see that? Not often. Not often. And, and you know what? To, to be honest with you, I'd say there's maybe five teams that take the academy system seriously. The other teams, yeah, they'll, they'll take it seriously enough for the publicity, but there's about five that, that really focus in on it. We don't need to go into those list of teams, but uh, <laughs> SC Dallas is one of those teams that takes it very seriously. Uh, I was moving on to another game. Uh, Houston, Portland, both teams looking for a spark, looking for something. Of course, it's fitting that they played to a 1-1 draw. Just another game that was just painful to watch, and, and Houston kind of, I would say Houston kind of came away with a little bit more than Portland in this one, but I mean, both teams, I was just struggling big time right, right now. Yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. And, Port- you know, look, Houston... Even though they're at home, you're going to say, well, is the home team really going to be happy about a draw? I don't know if they'd be, that you could say they'd happy, but they need to stop the bleeding, right? They've lost three or four. Uh, they got Brad Davis back, which was huge for them, right? I mean, that's a big, big step for them. Uh, you know, he comes in, he hadn't played in so long, and and he, and, 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 and th- they're going to need him if they're going to have any chance to make this season uh, another playoff year and another playoff run. Uh, Portland is the one you got to look at and say, what is going on with these guys, right? I mean, I thought... I thought this Houston game was tailor-made for them to get off the schneid because Houston had played on Wednesday. They had to travel all the way back. You figure they're tired. You figure they're vulnerable. And it doesn't come off for them. And and it wasn't, you know, they had they had their weapons. They had Nagby, Valeri, Will Johnson, Shara, uh, Donovan Ricketts. They had their guys. And and they just couldn't they just couldn't get it done. And, uh, you know, Caleb Porter's got to start to worry. You know, he's got to start to worry about that attack. Yeah, they, I mean, they. I don't know what I don't know what Porter has to do to shake things up, but something's got to change. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm saying it every week. This is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. They're going to get they're going to figure it out. Uh, and I'm going to say it again this week. I just think you look at that team, you look at the talent and you look at it's really it's really similar. It looks like the same team that looked so good last year. So what is going on? I don't know what the problem is, but Caleb, uh, you know what? I think I have confidence Caleb Porter will figure things out, but uh, you know what? It's It's been dragging on a while now, and I know Portland fans have to start really being worried. Well, talking about fans who are worried, I think it's it's finally time you can hit the panic button with Philadelphia Union. They lost to Montreal Impact uh, 1-0. to zero. Once again, Philadelphia lets in just a block goal where defending wasn't the best, but, I mean, look, I was Philadelphia. Let's face it. The, the wheels are coming off on this team right now. Uh, yeah, you don't want to, I mean, I don't know what you can say. I mean, what is it now? Two, four, seven, seven in a row without a win. Uh, pretty ugly stuff. And, you know, if you would have told me after that opener against Portland when they looked so good and after that win against New England that they would then go on to a seven-match winless streak, I never would have guessed it. Um, and I don't, and, and now they play Seattle next. They're, you know, it's, it's like, hey, you're struggling mightily. And now you get the hottest team in the league. So. Oh, and then they get DC the week after that, the second hottest team in the and, league. And then they get KC, and then they get New England, and then they get the Galaxy. 
holy crap. <laughs> it's like five game stretch. It could get really ugly. And you know what? I tell you what, uh, fair or not, John Hackworth is on the hot seat. I mean, he has to be. I mean, the Philadelphia Union invested a lot in this roster, invested a lot in the upgrades and changes they made to this team, and they expected results. And you know what? At the end of the day, last year, he was on the hot seat. At the end of last season, there were real questions about whether or not he would be back, and the Union gave him another chance. And now here they are uh, a quarter into the season, and it, it, things are really bad now. Things, you know, they got they have one win in nine, and with despite all that talent, it's just not clicking for them. And and you know you hate you, you can't as they say you can't fire the players. So the coach is feeling the heat, and if they don't turn things around, if they don't fight through this brutal stretch of games, I mean, think about this Seattle. I mean, the DC game, yeah, I think they I can see them beating DC. I I, I don't I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, but then but you know Seattle, KC, LA, could they beat DC in New England? I, I could see that. But those other three games, so. Oh man, it, 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 you know what? I tell you what. If you're looking at it, uh, they they could they could have a new coach by June. They could absolutely have a new coach before by June, if they don't start figuring these things out. If their attack doesn't start clicking, if their defense doesn't stop making these boneheaded mistakes, if they don't do these things, there will be a new coach. In my opinion, there'll be a new coach there by June. Yeah, Philadelphia man, just just very disappointing with the off season that they they had. I mean, without a doubt, I was they had the number one off season out of all the major league soccer teams. They, it was one of the best. One, of the, uh, I don't. I think Toronto with their hundred million dollar duo. Well, yeah, that's it. I think I think Toronto get, gets the cake, but Philly was right there. Philly, uh, Maurice Du, Maidana, Noguera, and then Austin Berry on top, and he's not even playing right now. Yeah, Maidana's not starting, so you know, it, I don't know, man. I, I I had a lot of high hopes for this this team, just seeing them early on, and and even in, more recently, you see these games where they play well, and they don't get the result. And it's uh, something, something's got to give. And and if they don't, you know, if they don't respond in this, it, think the season could completely f- derail. Uh, see with this this next five games because as tough as those opponents are, if they if they end up only getting like three or four points out of that stretch, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be in a serious hole. And even a coaching change, I don't know if we'll get them out of it. At Philadelphia, man, it's just. Very top of them right now. Time to move on. Ivis talk Major League Soccer expansion. I mean, come on. What would, what would an SBI show where we don't talk about MLS expansion or controversy? It looks like Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr., who wrote to MLS Commissioner Don Garber a year ago, telling him that having a stadium and soccer in the Bronx would be so great and not to go to Queens. All of a sudden, just like that, he doesn't seem so hot on the idea saying we need to you know work something out blah 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 you know pretty much he's, he's not cool with the idea which you know to me that's a translation of he didn't get his hand out so come on nycfc come on give him his hand out so he'll shut up uh, i mean that's what it looks like <laughs> that's what it looks like it is interesting that, that he goes from uh yes bring a stadium here bring mls here bring it bring we want mls in the bronx and now it's like yeah you know i don't know i'm not sold i don't know i don't i don't know if uh you know, my hand is itching. Hold on. You have something that you can put in my hand to keep it from itching? I don't know what's going on. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, when you look at it, the show, thinking, the show is not accusing anything. You know, this is we're, we're just talking here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He has maybe he has psoriasis in his hands. His itching, his hands <laughs> he, needs lotion. he needs some lotion. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have some my lotion. But anyway, uh, yeah, no. So, you know what? It, I know some people, I know the, the, the detractors, this, the anti New York City FC stadium people will look at it and say, uh, yeah, you know. 
it's not going to happen. They're not going to get the stadium, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I wouldn't worry too much about this being a uh, – it's just another bump in the road. I think they're going to get it done. They'll figure it out. Um, are they going to get that that location right near Yankee Stadium? That's a little wishful thinking. I mean, I think obviously that'd be ideal. Um, I don't know if they're going to get it there. But you know what? I, I've said it all along. I think they're going to – I think they're going to get it. They're going to find a place to put it in the boroughs, in the five boroughs. Yeah, but where? I mean, in Queens? I don't know where, but I just – you know what? They have a lot in, of money. In Brooklyn? They have a lot of money. Money talks. All right? BS walks, and they'll figure it out. Wait, would you say money talks, BS walks? Yes. BS walks. I don't heard that before, actually. Oh, my Lord. That's like the one of the oldest phrases ever. I don't think I've seriously ever heard that. That must be a New York East Coast thing. We don't, we don't, yeah, say, we don't, we don't say crap like that on the West Coast. Well, because you're soft. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Reckless. Ivis, uh, one more thing before we move on to the SBI Q&A. San Jose Earthquakes will face Atletico Madrid in a friendly, which will clearly end in an exciting 1-0 victory for, for either side. I don't know who's going to win, but they're playing a friendly this summer. <laughs> hopefully, I, I hope for either a lot of goals or Diego Simeone choking Steven Lenhart. One of those two things I think will happen. I need, really. I, come on, I need percentages then. <laughs> uh, that's not really going to happen <laughs> as much as I would love that to happen because that would be hilarious. Uh, no, but it's great, right? I mean, San Jose is trying to do some big things there. They got the stadium on the way. Uh, they get a team like Atletico to come out uh, and play in San Fran. Uh, that's big for them. And, you know, you, you, you'd like to see – you'd like seeing San Jose as an organization take these steps and make these kind of moves. And obviously the stadium's coming, and that's huge for them. Now you just want to see it translate on the field, and not just in results, but in good soccer. And I know some people say, "Oh, why does that have to be good soccer? What do you want? You want tiki taka? Is it you know whatever, whatever?" And you know what? They they don't play at a particularly attractive brand of soccer. You can argue they play some of the ugliest soccer in the league. And uh, is that going to change? Uh, I don't know. It remains to be seen. And Ivis, before we close out the show, SBI Q and A is back. Remember, everyone, you can ask us questions on Twitter using hashtag AskTheSBIShow. They don't always have to be about soccer; they can be about whatever you want. But this week, Ivis, all we got was soccer questions, so 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 nothing. We can't dwell into our personal lives. First question comes from Alex Brodsky. Who'd be the best strike partnership for Clint Dempsey if the U.S. men's national team wanted to replicate his partnership with Obi Femi Martins? <laughs> say it with me one time. Oba. I said Oba Femi Martins. You say Obi every time. I said Oba. Oh my God. I you say Obi. You say I said Oba Femi Martins. Oba. You say it sounds like an E when you say it every time. It, it must be. It must be this crap connection that you have. That ah. your, your internet <laughs> sucks to begin with. That's yeah, it's that my must internet. be it's the my problem. internet. Okay. Right. <laughs> Are you gonna answer the? Do you want me to answer the question? Are you still recording? I thought you were gonna. No, like, we're keeping this. I, I'll answer the question. I would say Charlie Davies, 2010 Charlie Davies. Uh, actually, <laughs> okay. Is that you, you, you may, okay. A, you stole my line. B, it was 2009 Charlie Davies. Oh, cause, damn it. Because he had the accident at the end in October of 2009. So, but I tell you what, let's get the old band back together. Go, Do- go Dempsey Donovan. Get him together. Get him running around. Um, but no, I mean, I think. It's tough because oh, but look, oh, Freddie Martin is a good, is a special player, is a unique player, mm-hmm. and, and more to the point about the about Charlie Davies. I mean, not since Davies has there really been that kind of speedy technical forward 
like Davies, who could just be like that pure, pure finisher. Like so, it, it's just there's, you know you don't you don't have that, and and, and it it's still uh, it, you know it still makes me sad just to think, thinking about you know Charlie Davies and and, mm-hmm. and his near death experience, and you know he's still in and he's still playing, he's still with New England and still fighting to work his way back, and you know you know you know who knows how far he'll go in his career, but I tell you what, Davies before the car accident. Uh, I mean, he could have been the best forward, uh, one of the best forwards of all time for the U.S. But uh, in terms of someone like Martins, it's tough. It's tough. I could, I tell you what. Um, but Klinsman isn't really playing. Dempsey is a forward, so that's kind of moot. Uh, I think it's going to be Josie up, up top, four two three one or four three three with Dempsey underneath, and maybe you go four four two if something happens. If, if Altidore got hurt or or looked really bad in camp, I've said it a few times now. You could see Dempsey. Uh, and Aaron Johansson together. Mm-hmm. You can see Dempsey and maybe Donovan together, or Dempsey and Eddie Johnson. You get the boys back together. Uh, you know, uh, old friends that they are. Uh, Eddie Johnson and Clint Dempsey. Every, get time, that, you, every get... time you say that, I feel like you got to have like the boys are back in town. The boy. you know that yeah. song. No, you get bad boys. Bad boys. There you go. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> you and I just lost a lot. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no. So you know what? There's there's some options there, but he's not. I don't really think he's going to play forward. Um, could there be a time in a particular game where where Klinsman decides to switch up four four to move Dempsey up? Oh, of course. Obviously, you know Bob Bradley did that uh, quite a bit when he was the coach, and and was very successful with that, moving him up like that. But I don't know. I don't I don't see Dempsey playing a ton of forward uh, in the World Cup. Ivis, next question comes from Ryan. With his current form, do you see Benny Fellhaber making the 23 this summer? No. Uh, I don't even think he's going to make the uh, the camp, the, the, the pre-World Cup training camp. I mean, the competition in the midfield, in the center of the field, is fierce. It's I mean, there's just so many guys. I mean, it's deep, too. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, you have... Uh, you have your defensive midfielders and you have your more attacking midfielders. Now that Michael Bradley has emerged as someone who, who Klinsman really sees being more of an attacking option, more of a clear-cut attacking option, then, then that that changes it even more. Because then you have, obviously you have Dempsey has long been his preferred kind of playmaker. But if you if he decides to go with Bradley, then you have him as well that you have to worry about. And then you have Mix Discarud, you have Joe Corona, who's played well finishing the year at Tijuana. So You have Luis you have, Gill on the outside looking in? You have Luis Gill, who who Klinsman picked ahead of Phil Haber in the last go round. The last time he had a chance to call people up for for the Mexico friendly, he called up Gill instead of Phil Haber. Now that might have been because Phil Haber had just played a pretty rough stru- stretch of games with Champions League. But I don't, I don't, I probably don't see him in the camp, and I definitely don't see him on the World Cup team. Well, speaking of, you mentioned it. Previously, Landon Donovan. Next question comes from Paul D. Butterworth. Why is it so cool now to dog on Landon Donovan? Did these peeps just start watching soccer or what? I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I haven't heard a ton of dogging on Donovan lately. I mean, I don't know if it's because, you know, he didn't necessarily look, look you know, for, number one, he, you know, the whole thing about him not looking good in training before the Mexico game and then he got benched and then he came on and, you know, he didn't do a whole lot when he came on. Maybe some people are kind of using that as as a reason to kind of be down on him and think that he can't get the job done. And it's like, was the Gold Cup that long ago that you don't remember him being the most dominant player on the U.S. team back then? Um, as he he said to me in a recent interview, he's like, you know what, he knows he knows how to get the job done when it counts. And and he's I tell you what, I think he's going to have a good World Cup. 
I think he's going to go out with a bang. And uh, he's in a unique position now because he is no longer the guy that you like that, like you think of as being someone the team depends on or or absolutely like, you know, you have to carry the team. He's not that guy. You have Bradley. You have Dempsey. You have Altidore uh, who really lead the attack. But I think that Donovan will have the freedom to really make his mark in this World Cup. And I think he's going to do well. Next question comes from Taylor Clark. How does MLS expansion draft work, and will it adversely affect many teams in Major League Soccer? Uh, you know, here's well, how does it work? Is you know, each team gets to protect a set number of players. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact what that exact number is. It could be eight. I think it it's ten. First, I think it's ten for some if reason. it's well, if it, whether whatever it is, if it's eight, if it's ten. You can you protect that set number of players, and then everyone else is is available for teams to select. Now, which teams does it affect? It affects the teams that have a lot of depth. So because they're going to lose a good player, whether it's and, and let's face it, there aren't that many teams that are truly truly deep teams. So I, I'd say in MLS right now, you think of Sporting KC and and Real Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. I think each of those teams. Uh, is, is likely going to lose at least one good player, and now this time around, it's it's even more of a, it's going to make even more of an impact because you have two teams coming into the league. You don't have one; you have two teams coming into the league. So I think each team is going to lose two players. So Seattle, I mean, not Seattle. Well, Seattle too. Seattle's got some depth as well. So uh, obviously, the expansion draft, the way it's it's set up, like you know, the, I think younger players are protected from it. Um, the designated players, you can't just throw them in and, and, and you know, because you know that no one's going to take their salaries on. Um, but I think those teams, that, the teams that have the real depth, Casey, uh, RSL, uh, LA's got some pretty good depth as well. They do. Um, LA does have some serious those, depth. Those teams are going to really feel the bite. And, and, and that's where... Uh, that's where in Orlando and the NYC, NYCFC. And think about it, Jason Christ is the coach of the NYCFC. He's gonna take. He's gonna take his first pick. Is gonna be someone from RSL. I would, I would think that's Ned, pretty fair. Ned Grabavoy. Yeah, but is RSL gonna leave him unprotected? I mean, that's yeah. maybe they'll leave. You know what? Maybe they'll leave Javier, Javier Morales unprotected. Ooh. I mean, Luis Gill is. Uh, bum, you know, bum, bum, bum. I'm just making. You know, hey, look, Javier Morales <laughs> is still an amazing player, but he's not getting any younger. And, uh, you know, Javier Morales, Luis Gill, if Luis Gill is going to be your guy, maybe you uh, you think about that. Maybe, you know, from uh, you, RSL, Garth Lagoway is always looking at the salary cap. He's always looking at how to keep the team in a good position. And you know what? If, if you're going to have to sign Luis Gill to a new contract pretty soon, and they are because he's coming up next year's the last year of his deal, uh, you have to think about that. You have to think about balancing your books. And Javier Morales, come 20 uh 15 is going to be 35 years old so you know what if he's available i'm pretty sure jason christ will take a flyer on javier morales final question comes from luke miller do timbers go after striker and or a center back in summer transfer window if neither what needs the change well i think they need both but i don't know what their cap situation is so that's the that's the interesting one or do they go get uh valencia off of his loan he's apparently doing really well on his loan um Look, Paparato has not done well, and I don't know if Caleb Porter has already kind of cut bait on that or not. I mean, he didn't play in this last game. Uh, he was really supposed to be the answer for them in central defense, and he didn't turn out to be that, at least not yet. Uh, and he, look, let's face it, he wouldn't be the first, uh, you know, South American defender to struggle out of the blocks and and then eventually settle. I mean, so maybe there's still hope that he could settle. 
Um, forward, look, Fernandez has scored how many good goals? I mean, he's he has bailed this team out multiple times, right? So if the question is about Max Rudy and is, is it Rudy not the answer? Do you want to go somewhere else? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hear all this chatter from Portland Timbers fans about Josie Altidore. Uh, I don't see that happening. I don't see him coming to MLS. Not now. I mean, he's 24 years old. I know he's had an awful season at Sunderland, but I don't see him leaving Europe uh, on that kind of season. I really don't. I, I, whether I don't see him staying at Sunderland, but I just don't see him coming back to MLS. Not to say that Merritt Paulson couldn't put together a financial package that would make it appealing, but I don't know. I just just jo, just seeing Josie's career, knowing the decisions he's made with his career. I just find it hard to believe that at 24, he's ready to come back to MLS. Well, Ivis, that ends the SBI Q&A. One final thing before we wrap up the show completely, go on a 30-minute tangent. Did you see, I, I know you saw it, but Nike's commercial for the stain on that features Ronaldo, uh, Iniesto, uh, <laughs> Ibrahimovic, Tim Howard. Neymar. Yeah, Neymar. It, it was, Chris, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. What, what, what a great commercial, man. The commercial was awesome. It was great. John Jones, Anderson Silva getting a little cameo as well. Yeah, I like that. That it was, was good. It was good. It was it was really, really well done. And uh, you know what? I th- actually like, you know, Ronaldo, you know, you love him or hate him, but I thought he was pretty funny with his part. You know, the whole uh, when the kid is like, uh, you don't have 50,000 cheering for you. And then he's like, you don't have her. And then they show Arena Shake. That was pretty hilarious. Uh, he, I thought he came off pretty well in that. And then obviously Ibra, Ibrahimovic kind of making fun of himself. Uh, Ibrahimovic thinks Ibrahimovic, Zlatan thinks Zlatan should take the free kick. It was well done. It was well done. And yeah. it's funny because you, you expect it. Every four years, you expect Nike to pull out all the stops and put together an, uh, an amazing commercial, and they did it yet again. Well, I don't, and I don't think that was a, uh, a World Cup commercial either. That was just a commercial for... For staying on. I mean, I'm sure we'll have a World Cup. It's a World Cup year commercial. Whatever. I like to be optimistic that another commercial will be coming out very soon. That's that's the commercial. They they put their money in that one. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And you know what? Here's the thing, too. Uh, you haven't always had Americans play parts in these commercials, so I mean, I, I think it was good to see him, uh, Tim Howard. Yeah, but Tim Howard play. got scored on. Oh, nah, but it was at least. But you know what? At least it was some random kid, so it was kind of playing along to the fantasy thing. You couldn't imagine. You couldn't realize. What if you had Ronaldo scoring on? Oh, him? I know. Then it's like, oh wait, they played in the World Cup. You can't be. You can't even fake that in a commercial. So it was nice. It was a good job by them. It was a good save by them to kind of get keep Ronaldo out of there. And just have some kid take the penalty, and and yes, I agree. I think Tim Howard. If Ronaldo took it, Tim Howard would have saved it. If is Tim Howard's nickname now the Hulk? Like, <laughs> do we give him that nickname? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. The hairless Hulk. Yeah, there you go. I'm curious to see if it's. I'm curious to see if it sticks. I don't know that. The comments on the website because everyone was just crying that Tim Howard got scored on. If I'm sorry, if this is the show and you commented and you cried. I, you made my day the other day. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a bit. That's being. That's not seeing the forest for the trees, my friend. Because the fact that he <laughs> played a really prominent part in that commercial is is the big. big I, I know. I well, and everyone else made fun of themselves too. That's the part. I was like, I was like, who cares if he gets scored on? It's like Pirlo got kicked in the face with with the ball, and you know, the commercial was money. Great commercial. It was, it was very good. Very good commercial. All right, I want to see what Adidas does. Adidas needs to step it up now. What are they going to do? I don't know. I've seen some pretty decent different uh, commercials. The the Samsung. I don't know who's uh, people have seen it, but Samsung with their whole Galaxy Eleven uh, campaign. That you know they got Ronaldo and 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 Messi both involved in the campaign, and Donovan is in that as well. Landon Donovan is is playing oh, a part yes. in that. 
and if you haven't seen it, you can go on YouTube. Uh, it, there's like a three minute movie, uh, three minute commercial slash movie where it shows kind of the building of the team, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty sweet, pretty good stuff. So you might you check that check that out. Yeah, I know I know exactly which one you're talking about. That was actually a pretty good one. All right, well, Ivis, before we wrap up the show, I think we covered all the bases today on an extremely long show. Is it is it that long? Is yes, it, it's, oh. it's quite long today. Oh wow! All right, well, you know what? I feel I feel okay about this show. I feel I feel I know so I know people were saying, oh, why do we always rip our own shows and say they're good or not? You know what? Sometimes we feel good about a show. Sometimes we don't feel good about it. And you know what? Sometimes we think a show is terrible and it turns out to be people love it. So uh, you, you never can tell. I think the show is all right. I think we need to get back into the routine of getting our guests on and and recording at a reasonable hour so we can start trying to sleep at normal hours. Well, but. you know, th- this month has been a complete, you know, <clears throat> shit show for me. So you, you, uh, you know why. Really? You're going to just drop curses on <laughs> Oh boy, we got to get the soap for this dude. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, no, it was it's good. It's good. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get back into our rhythm, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we how it happens for the world. You know, during the World Cup, how how we're gonna. Well, I'm going to Brazil, so what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You better buy your ticket, my man. You better go get your uh, your visa. Oh yeah, I, I noticed that. Did you did you, did you get all your stuff squared away? Uh yeah, I'm picking up my visa next week, so I think that'll be the last of it. There's still some stuff I need to to deal with. I got to book a flight here in Brazil. I got there's a couple of hotels I need to sort out, but everything is pretty pretty much lining up right now. Getting all my uh, ducks in a row. I'll be covering the World Cup for Goal.com. I am also working with Sony on their fan ambassador program. If you haven't seen that, you you might want to check that out. We're doing some blogs, some videos from uh, throughout the whole run-up to the World Cup and at the World Cup. I'll be doing that. So uh, I'll have some info on that on SBI shortly. Uh, but keep an eye out for that. It's, uh, you know, feel free to make fun of me on video. I I think I, if I would have known I was going to have to do this much video work, I think I probably would have hit the gym a little more than I did. I am now hitting the gym thanks to Franco Panizo living, live, living nearby now. So we go to the gym. We, we hit the gym today, actually. So... That's the, the is, I'm working is, on. Is it now. Franco the type of guy that makes a lot of noise in the gym? I could see that. I don't want to blow him up too much, but I will say he is the type of guy that looks at himself in the mirror a lot, <laughs> he, way more than he should at the gym. So there is, you go. He is an ugly looking dude too. I don't get how he looks at himself. <laughs> he's a lot of things. He's a lot of things, but uh, yeah, he's he, the ladies love him. I, dude, I, that I can I can agree with you. I have seen Franco's charm up close and personal. I mean, not on me, on, on, on the lady, but <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen it. That is true. Franco Franco has a little bit of I don't know what it is, but he has it. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening to the show right I now. I know. I'm sure Franco's he like yes, vamos. Yes, there you go. But yeah, no. So you know what? We'll see. It's gonna the World Cup's gonna be interesting, and uh, man, it's coming fast, man. It's it's the camp's almost here. I'll be uh, I'll be out at Stanford before you know it. We'll be talking there. Maybe we'll get some interviews. Line up some interviews with some of the players that are out there and. Uh, the camp roster will be announced shortly. It is going as you're listening to this show. It is April 29th. Uh, the camp is two weeks away. It's crazy. Damn, two weeks. God, dude, this this is too soon, Ivis. Too soon. You're excited. I can tell. Oh, dude, I'm jazzed, man. I'm I, I, I I'm excited, man. Let's leave it at that. I'm I'm very excited. I'll, I'll geek out a little later on. All right, Ivis. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't get overly excited about the World Cup. Until I'm on the plane, because it's always. I mean, this is my fourth one, and uh, for me, I just figure, I just find that the best way to approach it is to focus on because there's so much logistically you have to worry about and plan for and get ready. 
not only your travel, but also just organizing like, the, you know, your, your coverage plan and all that. And, and it's like you get on the, pl- you, you know, I wa- you walk on the plane, got all your luggage, you got your bag, you sit in your seat. And it's like the first time you can really kind of take a just breath and relax. And you know that it's a, the party's the, the show's about to start. And it's time to do your thing. And, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. See, I didn't have a chance to watch the World Cup in, in 2010 because uh, I, was, I was in the Bahamas. So that's why I'm excited to, like, you know, sit down and watch the whole World Cup. So It's been a while. Been a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I was just too busy teaching wakeboarding to. Uh... Yeah, that's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Ivis, you have a good week, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later this week and we'll, we'll, we'll preview MLS. Week nine, and talk about all the happenings and all the MLS expansion controversy that should happen this week. We'll, we'll work on finding you a less echoey room to record the show in. I'm living in. <laughs> I'm living in. I'm living in a new place right now, so you know I'm still. He's actually I'm still, recording in the closet, in an empty closet in his apartment. Uh, it's uh, first off, it's a house. It's not <laughs> whoa, he's a, he's a house. I'm, I'm, I, le- I left the high rise. I left the good life nice. for a house. So nice. Moving on up. But by moving on down, I like it. <laughs> it's also it's also very clean. It's, nice. it's a good... Well, that's because you live you're living with a female now, so she's probably cleaning for you. Yeah, I didn't realize how gross my place was. Yeah, it, it was disgusting. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, you definitely had the uh, you, you had the bachelor bachelor grime thing going on. In yeah, your place. I, I think I ha- I think I threw more things away than I brought over to my girlfriend's house. Yeah, I think she threw things away. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, that that too. She's like, you can bring this and you can't bring that, and I'm like, why? Why can't I bring that? <laughs> it was like the smallest pile ever of things you could take with you. Yeah, it was really depressing. And she's like, why do you want to keep this? And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's 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 from this one time, and blah blah blah. She goes, I don't I don't get why that's important to you. Uh, uh, nice. Uh, it's it, already it starting. It begins the, the, the domestication of Garrett cleverly. Uh, <laughs> hey, what? Hey, before I forget one one thing, uh, if you haven't yet. And if you haven't before, uh, please give us a review on iTunes. It's been about a month since we've got one. Actually, we got one, our first one in April, and it was someone just absolutely ripping us. And it was ripping me because not once again, it was ripping you, not me. There's nothing for bad once, was said about I, me. Yeah, that's why you were happy because for once it didn't rip you. But yeah, you know they ripped me for you know getting on my soapbox and uh, and and talk quote unquote talking down to people. See, this is my theory on this. Oh, jeez. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna keep it brief. But here's my my theory, right? If you believe in your opinions, then you should. Then you should. Uh, you know, you, they should be strong opinions. They, sh- if you believe in your opinions, you defend your opinions, and and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with arguing an opinion. And I feel like people. I almost feel like people get intimidated by if you have strong opinions. You don't have to agree with me, folks. I am not right a hundred percent of the time. If you disagree with something I say, and if I say that I, I think you the other the other way uh, that it's you know the other approach people have is wrong that's because that's my opinion like i'm not i don't half ass it with my opinions if i believe in a i'm going to say a is the way and b is dumb or b is i don't get it or b doesn't really make sense to me if you happen to believe b don't take it personally just it we disagree we can agree to disagree that's just how it is that's how i approach it so Please don't take my rants personally if you happen to disagree with me. I'm not attacking you personally. I'm just defending my side of things. And you can agree with me. You can disagree with me. It's all good. We all have opinions. We're all entitled to them. I'm usually right all the time. But it's okay. Maybe I'm wrong that one time. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. But, yeah, so I just wanted to say that, lay that out there because I just feel like some folks are – maybe they're they're not confident enough in their own opinion. So they, they get a little defensive. They get a little – 
squeamish when they start hearing me rant about, you know, this and that and what is wrong with these people. You know what? That's just how I do it. That's just, you know, my approach and you could you could love it or hate it, but please don't think that I, I you know, that you can't have an opinion. You ask everyone inside to their opinion, even if it's different than mine, which means it's probably wrong, but you're entitled to it. <laughs> uh, yes, Ivis, I agree with you. <laughs> Would you fall asleep there? You didn't even hear me. You didn't, I could have said anything right there, and you're like agreeing with me. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right, man? Yeah, I'm fine. On? I'm fine. I'm fine. I agree with you 100%. Uh, all right. <laughs> Are you all right? Your rants are just too funny sometimes, but That wasn't even I, a rant. I know. It's like, ha- it's, like, it's like half the time of like, like well, how, how do I follow that up? Like, what what do I say? I concur. I guess I guess that's the best like thing I could say. <laughs> you could be like, uh, "Alrighty then." There you go. <laughs> there you go. Follow I'll that do up. the Jim Carrey. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. All right, Ivis. Well, you have a good week, man. We'll we'll talk. It's... We'll have another show this week. And, and Ivis is right. This month has been a little bit of hell for him and I. So, so we'll, 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 the SBS show will get back to its regular schedule of having shows Monday morning, Fridays with guests. Hopefully midweek show. Once things start to calm down for for you and I, Ivis, we'll, we'll get we'll get back in the routine. We'll get back to to what we do best. We'll find our groove eventually. So bear with us and thanks for sticking with us. We've had I know we've had these ruts and these dry spells and these you know long stretches without a show, uh, but we'll get back in it. We'll get back at it and uh, we'll start getting the guests back and and, and we'll, we'll we'll get it we'll get it together. We'll, we'll get it together soon enough. I agree. All right, Ivis. Well, have a good week, man. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show. Here we are.